Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. So I got a call. Um, this has been about two months ago, I guess, or better. And uh, one of our leaders in our organization said, hey, Lisa, I got a friend of mine. Wife is in a certain occupation, has an opportunity in human resources, and she doesn't have any background in that human resources. Can you just talk to her? Because this the opportunity may be in a small town. She's in a big city right now, completely different uh, industry. And just want you to talk to her because this is probably a one person shop, which means she's going to be the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker. And I want to make sure she understands a little bit about HR and what she'd be getting into, but the opportunity has presented itself and it probably, you know, it may not happen again. So I reached out to her, talked to her that same day and uh, talked to her a little bit about what was going on. And it was truly that she's moving from one uh, unrelated field into possibly HR and was just kind of running down with me. And so it brought up this concept of what do you do if you want to do something different? And we had a lot of dialogue around really me being curious, Randy, like we've talked about, uh, what is it you want? What is it you want to do? And does this line up? Does it, it needs to have a purpose and be in your path. Um, to make sure it's what you want, because you should always be one step forward towards your goals, you know, whatever that looks like. And so many people nowadays, I'm hearing, especially post-COVID, are changing, they're reprioritizing. We talked about that in another episode. They're reprioritizing what's important to them, deciding if they want to keep doing what they're doing or move to something different. And I thought that was a great topic for us to explore in this show of what do you do if you want, if it's time to change careers or a loved one or a friend or a peer is saying, I want to do something different. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about that today. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Listen, reinvention, whatever label you want to stick on it is it, it comes up all the time, you know, in my world, admittedly, a lot of it is hypothetical, but not always. I mean, I've had a number of clients who were getting toward the end, you know, end of a career and especially in city government, they got so many years already in the system and they're kind of looking at, at what I'm calling the encore career, right? So I had, had this career and now not sure what I want to do. And from my perspective, I think it's incredible. Well, two things we, we tend to, we tend to easily discount what we have learned, our experiences, our insights, and our skills. It's very easy for us to discount those. Now on the flip side, for some of us, it's super easy to really over overestimate those, right? So the most conceited and arrogant folks, but the vast majority that I encounter, we know what we know and we just kind of assume it's not so special. Everybody knows it. And we just haven't pulled back to really understand, listen, you, you've learned a lot. You got a lot of insights. You got a lot of skills. And then second, we have a difficult time in bridging that to something else in, in that transition to look at what we've got, what we bring to the table and to see how that might translate into something else. You said before we hit record, you know, some people just, they think the, the dots have to all really neatly and nicely connect. And you and I both know from experience as well in our own lives, as well as other people's, sometimes they don't connect at all and they don't need to, and it's okay. That's right. That's right. And there's been so many times uh, that I've talked to, whether it's somebody on my team, whether it's another individual that's come to me for just insight um, and wisdom there's so many times I tell people, you know, when you're when you're thinking about a change, especially if you're miserable, if you're miserable in what you're doing, stop doing it because life is too short. We never know if tomorrow is going to be here. 
you know, we all hope it is. We hope that we live long lives, but you just don't know. And why waste it being miserable? Why waste it if you've got an opportunity um, to take it, but take it with some wisdom and, and I would rely upon somebody. What I also don't encourage is you just jump because you can, right? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. It, you don't just jump because it's there. Make sure it aligns with with your ultimate goals, what you want to do, what would make you happy, what would help you re-energize, reprioritize, you know, whatever that is, whatever that means to you, that's what I encourage them to take a look at. But how many times have you seen this is a bad way to phrase the question, but it's you've you've seen it multiple times. You know, people that I hate this and so they just leave it. Mm-hmm. I mean it's very it's very different to just hate something and leave something, but you really want to grab a hold. You want to chase something. It's perfectly fine to want to leave something that's bad. That's right. But find something that you want to go toward. That's right. I always encourage people to have, have, have a goal, have, make sure when you are making a decision. So it, it is very easy to, to jump. And some people are like that. You know, I'm a creature of, that likes stability that, has a, I always want to have a purpose. It's moving forward. It's a, here's what I want to do next. And am I doing everything to start lining up opportunities or, um, am I lining up things in my path to ultimately, hopefully be working towards that goal, whether like we've talked about, whether it's retirement, whether it's this land that I bought, you know, those things, you know, I've been working on for seven years and every step I took was toward that goal. Um, and so the same, the same aligns here. When, when I was talking to the, that uh, young lady that was looking at changing a, an entire career, we were talking about HR, but I paused and I said, well, it's not about, really about HR that you're going into HR. What is it that you want? What is it that you, why do you want a change? So that I could understand what she was looking for. And she kind of talked about it and her reasons were good. Her reasons were valid. Um, they made sense. And then we kind of started getting into uh, what in her her type of position. It currently it can have a lot of overtime. There can be a lot of opportunities, but there's also a lot of demands, right? Because of that overtime. And she was asking things like, "Well, in your industry, is it kind of eight to five? Is it?" And I said, "Well, no, but it's different than yours." mine's kind of predictable, but it depends on what you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. There's times I have to stay late. There's times I have to work on the weekends, but really it's how I control my day as to what drives that and motivates it. So you're more in control of it. And the second question is she said, well, they had discussed her and her husband. I got to make this. And I said, listen, a dollar amount. You mean? Yeah, it was a dollar amount. And it was, it was not, I wouldn't say, uh, and, unreasonable dollar amount, but when you have no experience, Mm -hmm. that might've been challenging to achieve that. It might not, you know, I don't know the, I don't know that she gave me the organization name that she was looking at, that she uh, was interested in and that she'd talked to. And they, I don't remember how they knew each other, but the city manager in that organization somehow knew of her, whether it was through friends, husband, you know, through, um, through who I connected with here at the city that got me in touch with her. And so through she's coming in as an HR newbie, and that might be an unreasonable expectation. Yes. And it was, it was a fairly high salary. I said, so listen, here's, here's the conversation you need to have. You need to be looking five years down the road or three years down the road. And maybe that is not the organization where you're, where you will ultimately stay, but you may never get this opportunity again. And everybody can grow from an opportunity if you choose to see it that way. It could be hard. It could be a difficult transition. You may have a ton to learn, but every day you would be getting better. And there might be opportunities that present themselves for you to earn that amount down the road. So what you really need to look at is what do you want more, the opportunity or the money for now? Because that's where you're starting to get your foot in the door. And so um, through that insight, I think they went back and she's like, you know, you're right. They financially, of course, like we talked about, when the dots do have to align somewhat, Mm. you can't just quit 
unless your family knows you can support and potentially get something to sustain the family, right? So I totally understand there is a threshold that for us to pay our current bills, we have to be at X. And that's reasonable. And I think that's good, prudent behavior to assess that. Um, but it did kind of allow her to refocus. Is the opportunity greater than the money right now? Because ultimately you can earn more down the road. You just need your experience. And who's going to offer a manager or director level role to somebody with no experience, but relative experience, like you mentioned, Randy. Yeah. The dots weren't perfectly aligned, but they're relevant. And I said, your job is to translate what you do now when you talk to that city manager into how it relates to what you will do there. Because you can talk about culture. You can talk about teams. You can talk about building up people. You can talk about relationships. Her current field had all of those components, which is really the root of HR. You're just the hub. Right. And you're, you're, you've just got to connect those dots for everybody. And once you can translate it to make that, make it understandable to the other person, you really do have a lot of skills, but that's a hard shift for people because they want to talk in, if you're in public works, they want to talk equipment operator skills, yeah. my backhoe skills, my industry, industry specific. That's right. And it doesn't have to be that way. And Don had the exact same challenge coming out of the military. My husband. He was a gunner on a tank. He blew things up for a living and loved it. Does not translate well <laughs> into civilian world. You know, oh, hunt, when you're going hunt, to. <laughs> you're, hunting, you're hunting prowess. It does. Prowess. <laughs> That's right. But trying to sell that when you're trying to get a civilian job is tough. Yeah. Right. So you just yeah. you just have to know how to translate. Right. Right. Well, you have to have a Leonard. You have to be hired by a Leonard Martin. So that's right. Go back and Higher watch call. that episode if you if you haven't done that. So here's a guy that was a big disruptor in city management. And we will probably be the first to tell you. In fact, no, I think we would be the second and third people to tell you because I think Leonard would probably be the first to tell you that not every city would even would even allow a guy like that. You know, that's right. I mean, he's he's a really he's a really unique He's a really unique guy, but it's, it was a great episode. I, we enjoyed our time together. So go back and because he did, he did make some, he did make some comments that are befitting what we're talking about today for innovation. And here was a guy with a long storied career as a city manager, but innovation was paramount. I mean, that was what he was pursuing. His whole career was about innovation and he found that hiring good people that did not have industry specific knowledge could really up the innovation game. Yeah. Hiring tall is what we call that yeah. episode hiring yeah. tall. So look for that with Leonard Martin, but you're exactly right. It's, it's how to, um, it's how to first for people. And when you're hiring like this city manager, I give him credit. That's looking at this, this mm -hmm. lady that I'm talking to that sees potential in a completely different industry to achieve maybe culture change and shifts and things that he'd like to achieve without necessarily having to have a 20 year industry HR person. Now, those that are in HR trying to switch, it's challenging for them too, because they are trying to get to an organization and potentially become manager or director. So you may be competing with people that are long tenured, but it's all in what you see. And we've had uh, this lady and I have actually talked pretty much weekly um, and we talk about different things about what are you going to do if, how would you manage that? How would you, how would you relate that to what you do now? And just trying to get her thinking because hers is a very tactical, technical current position, right? Mm -hmm. Very focused on a certain thing. HR is a bit more global, right. but both of them have relationship aspects. Both of them have camaraderie aspects. Both of them have leadership and wisdom and oversight that you have to manage on events and things like that. So it's all relative. It's just, you have to be able to see that perspective. Can you think of, of an instance in working with a director? So you as an HR director in the city of Grand Prairie, a director who's looking for some management position where they didn't so much care about the technical prowess, whatever the circumstances were, they had something else in mind 
And the reason I'm asking the question is because the candidate, the prospective person looking to be hired can make an assumption about what this person is looking for and be completely wrong. Well, you know, the only thing that I, that I can think of off the top of my head with that question, um, is I thought it was really interesting. Our city manager, Steve Dye, um, when he came over to be city manager, I remember normally HR handles, uh, diversity, inclusion, equity efforts and things like that. But I remember him talking to me and saying, Hey, I'm going to bring over this police officer into the city manager's office or one of our officers. And he's like, I'm going to have him as a community and inclusion manager. And I remember that being a, a hard discussion a little bit, not, not for him or me to one another, but for me conceptually, cause I kept thinking, but that normally is in HR that normally is in our, in HR. But he, and he said, but Lisa, I need community effort too. And community effort is where I engage, right? Where he and the ma city manager's office engages. And I said, but a police officer, you know, and he's like, no, there's, there's a really great guy. Yeah. And as a police chief, as a police chief, he was, I mean, you got to give him top scores. Oh, he was amazing in his, in his community. community. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's he, not like, it's not like he didn't know what he was looking for. No. And he's, yeah. And he's strategic. He uh -huh. speaks Spanish. He got, you know, he was, he just had great relations with our faith-based, with our, um, with our, um, pockets in our community right. and the Asian market in the Hispanic community he can speak fluent Spanish. He was, he had relationships with all the media stations, uh, et cetera. And so anyway, that's a, a long story short is he brought this gentleman over and he stayed as a police officer for a while, but ultimately is now our diversity and inclusion officer. And it's doing amazing things in the city manager's office to connect our community and keep it visible. You know, um, he does a lot about connections, a lot with the youth, um, right. a lot about um, bringing different I wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but he's got a, um, oh gosh, I hate that I can't remember it, but he he brings in different people from the community and basically talks about their backgrounds and stuff and connects people with understanding that culture or that background and why we're different, but we're similar, you know? Right. And he, it's just a really neat kind of episode that he does every now and then to connect the community and to help us to understand people that are different than ourselves. Um, and just to his doing a kind of amazing work, but that's one where I can think of that. That's a police officer, but he took what he knew and took what he saw and converted him into a position that is now, I don't know, even know if it's bigger than policing. Cause I think of policing is amazing. I think our officers out there serving our communities and us, Mm -hmm. what they do now in these challenging times is amazing period. Right. But bringing somebody in, in that niche and bringing them up to city manager's office and saying, you can do this, this role for us, I think was also pretty impressive to be able to see that and to have that vision to, to make that change. That's just one I can think of off the yeah. top of my head. No, that's good. What, what did, what, what would you say to, to a person who, I think, I think I know what they're looking for and I'm just, you know, I'm, I want it, but maybe I've got some experience at it. Maybe I don't have any experience at it. Maybe I've got some experience at it. I, I'm doing a bad job of this. I came off a 24 hour bug people. So cut me some slack. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that was a bad weekend. Um, uh, <laughs> Thankfully it was just 24 hours though. That's so that's, right. my, that's my excuse for fog brain today. Well, here's what I'm getting to the assumptions that we make that the person across the table, who's interviewing me, should I get to that point? I think I know exactly what they want. I just know from firsthand experience, there've been many times where I'm looking, I'm looking for, I'm looking for some personality types. I'm looking for some stylistic thing. I'm looking for some things that are way beyond the pale of what I realized this person sitting across from me has a clue about, right? So yeah. they lean hard into some of the hard, hard skills and tactical and strategic stuff. And, you know, and they, they put their best sales, sales shoes on and, and go for it. And, and I get it. I understand it, 
but me as the person on the other side of the desk looking for somebody, you know, I'm looking for somebody that's got something that's not even on seemingly on their radar as an HR person. Is there anything that we can do? Anybody that wants to reinvent themselves, how, how can we overcome that? How, how can we better handle, handle that as opposed to trying to overcompensate with technical prowess or anything else? And I'm nobody's poo pooing technical prowess, by the way, That's but, right. but the conversation is about reinventing yourself. So it's about taking whatever skills you've got and can you translate those into an area where you've, you've never done it before. Well, I think there's there's two different, I would say there's two different aspects of this. Don't let me forget to come back to the second one. The first one is, let's talk about kind of Leonard's approach with the manager. The manager that's doing the hiring or doing, they are in the minority right now with people, or I, be, I believe, are still somewhat laser-like focused on the skills that you talked about, on the skill set, mm-hmm. on, on the um, how do you do this case? And, you know, how do you do this? Um, how long have you done this? Where have you done that? It's very technically focused. Now, if you're an engineer, city engineer, if you're an instruction, uh, construction inspector, absolutely get it that there's got to be some, there's got to be some significant abilities and skills that know the industry so that you're doing it to code and things like that. Right. I'm not discounting that. Right. However, you know, I know one of our challenges in hiring is convincing people. You need to be asking the, the soft, soft skills questions that give you a little bit more insight in that 45 minute interview um, about why, why are you changing? Why are you leaving? What motivates you at work? What demotivates you? Tell me about a time. Tell me about a time when you had a conflict with a coworker in the last two years. And what did you do? You know, it's those kind of questions. If they say, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I can't even think of a conflict I've had. Lying. <laughs> yeah. They are lying. <laughs> Pinocchio's nose just got really yeah, long, really. Exactly. We've all had conflicts at of work. Course. It's how they address it, how they mm-hmm. talk about it, and you're looking right. for how they solved it, didn't rely on somebody else to solve it for them. Right. You, when you start asking those kind of questions, um, you know, I, I get the best um, responses when I when I'm interviewing somebody and I say, why are you leaving your current job? You would be amazed what people will tell you. Oh man, that employer sucks. Yeah. It seems like everything I have to do is X, Y, they never pay us enough. Right. You know, I keep working my butt off and I, yeah. they only gave us an 8% raise last year. Yeah. Can you, but if you hire them, they'll be happy. They'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, Sarcastic. it's really, um, for the listeners out there, it's really about, do they fit your culture? You know, Randy, you and I have talked about, do they fit your culture? Do they have a willingness and do they have ability? Right. Because attitude and willingness, I'll hire that every day over a skill that I can teach. Oh, me too. Big time. Every day. Yeah. And that's really hard for people to understand because they're like, no, we need somebody that can hit the door, hit the door running that knows their job inside and out. But yeah, and that can be a problem, I think, from both sides of the table because both sides of the table can see what they want to see. That's right. I, so, can make again, my, I can make myself fit. I can see myself fitting here. And the person doing the hiring, I can, I can, I can make them fit here when it's not right. a good fit for either one of them. They just can't. And think about, think about us as managers. How many times have we hired? I've done it myself where the, you, they, you had a wonderful interview and you instantly click and you hire them and they are absolutely dreadful. They don't finish tasks on time. They make excuses. They are late to work every, you know, there's their performance because in the interview, they are a good salesperson. They are selling you and convincing you of what they're doing. Now, listen, they I've do been, well. I've been absolutely conned before. I mean, yeah. I'll just lay it out there. I've absolutely been. And I think it. everybody on listening has, has been, I mean, if you, if you have hired perfectly, I'm, we want to talk to you on the show and figure out what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because I haven't met anybody, including myself, now Randy, you, you've been a CEO for years. <clears throat> you've counseled city managers and mentored them. If we have made the mistakes 
I think everybody has made the mistake because you get snookered, right? You you yeah. get to believe there's something they're not. And so we have to dig a little deeper and change our mindset that it's not just always the skills that match. Do they fit your culture and what you're looking for? And then you have to ask a lot of questions. Um, and, and I was going to give the example. So we use a, a work style assessment, not a personality assessment, but a work style assessment called zero risk. Zero risk is tests for EQ skills, um, emotional intelligence. And it talks about works. You, you wouldn't know it. It is the, it is the, it's very inexpensive to do. Um, you send the candidate, the assessment, they take an assessment takes about 15 minutes and it's really weird. If I, I'll have to send, I think I, we talked about this and I told you I'd send you one. I don't know if you ever did it, but know. you send this. I was risk. probably afraid to take it. <laughs> so you send this, you send this assessment out. Zero risk, and it would prove that I was high risk or something. I don't. Know. Yeah, it it could, it could. It says. I assume zero risk is. I assume zero risk is the optimum. That's you kind of want to hit. Zero yeah, you risk. you kind of want it to intuitively tell you as a tool, not the sole factor. Yeah, yeah. That this person has risk based on this job to be successful, and yeah. zero risk is all over the nation. So they've got a database full, and and I say this because we. We had just recently done this one department. Uh, Cheryl, my boss, believes in it. She's seen it work. She said, hey, we've got a department that's looking to hire. They love this candidate. I want you to just send this. I just am curious. I just want you to have them do the zero risk. And so I said, sure. We sent it to the candidate. The The person that uh, the manager that was hiring said that we love him. He's He's got all these positive things. We send the zero risk. We get it back. It's like out of 10 factors seven or high risk it shows and it actually says this person is not a fit for this role they are overly sensitive i mean it it, it details right. out it said they could be overly sensitive they do not accept criticism they um can condemn kind of condemn people when they're under pressure they need to be in a workplace that has a focus on one job and they can work away from people mm. and this job is all about people Right. So that, and that's in summary. And it says they don't have political acumen. They don't, when they're stressed, they're going to be blunt and offend people. Um, So it kind of does this style. Well, when you're taking this assessment, you have to rank. Like every question is rank these from one to 10. And you have to rank them. It's like killing a baby to saving the planet. You know, I mean, it's, and it's not exactly that, but it's, you're like, how the heck are these even related? Yeah. Right. You know, right. Um, and so, but it's amazing how intuitive it is in your style. And even I, when I was hired, uh, Tom had us do this because you can also get in your organization rankings. So you, like, I wouldn't tell you, but you can say, Hey, I'm going to have these 30 people take it. Here are my top performers mm-hmm. that fit in this role and have been most successful over time. And they can actually create like oh, a scorecard, like a benchmark. Yeah, that this is what works in that organization to be a great performer. So we'll look because it could be different for City of Grand Prairie versus City of X. Yeah, if they're very formal, they may have a different fit that works for them. So that I love it because it's no, not a powerful. one size fits all. Yeah, and so anyway, all that to be said, it's a tool that shows through the salesman pitch that right. hey, there's some risks here. Do these risks work for you? Right. If they're not intuitive, is that okay? Are they in an office by themselves? And they may be perfectly fine. But then it gives you a series of questions to ask. Go ask these questions and dig in a little bit more and see if that's still, if you're still comfortable. Right. And we actually ruled out a candidate once we got that back saying, boy, that's not a fit. And so I say all that for my first point of being, if you're the hiring manager, be sure you're open and asking the right questions, not just focusing on skills alone. Because if you can find fit and what drives them and what motivates them to do well and make sure it's not just all about money or all about a pat on the back for pride that their ego has to be stroked constantly. If it is and you say, well, that's okay, I can do that. I can make them successful, that's fine. But at least it gives you another approach and another area to look at when you're hiring. 
The second aspect of that was if you're the candidate, if you're the one, the director you talked about coming and asking, I want to do something different. I want to do, do something better and then connecting the dots. For that, to me, it's all in the it's all in the approach, like you said, and making sure does it fit? Are you taking a step forward and not a step back? Are you looking at what does that achieve in your goals that you're trying to get to? What benefit does it offer? What can it have long term? Does it fit? And then selling that and telling that hiring manager, listen, I don't have the skills. Uh, I, I don't have I don't have the specific skills you're looking for, but let me tell you what I do have. I can change people. I can improve performance. I can build a team that will have my back and your back. That's what I can do, and I can learn the skills. And you have to convince them and be genuine. If you're not, if you're just a salesman, it's not going to work. If you're genuine and you tell them what you can do and you believe in that. That's how you have to match it up. And you give them examples in your current work that relate to what you would be doing in that other line of work that are relevant and, and understandable. That you and I, without that industry knowledge, understand that's what we're looking for. It's a lot of research that you have to do on that organization. And I always tell people, go dig on their website. The pictures they post in the community the things that they choose to put on their front page, that's what's important to them. And you need to understand that and make sure it fits what's important to you and what you want to be part of. And if it doesn't, find somewhere different, right? Uh, that yep. tells a lot about a community on if, if their web page isn't updated at all, is it because they don't have knowledge or is it because they don't care? I mean, you have, right. to, you have to filter through all that and figure that out to make sure the lines with what you're doing, with what you want. Well, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. Listen, there's two, there's two basic camps. So there's the person who I need to reinvent myself and I'm out of work. Right. There's the person I've got a job, not real happy with my job all the way to, I hate my job <laughs> Yeah. all the way to, I kind of like my job, but I would rather do something different. Yeah. I'm up to a new challenge. Yeah. Those are two completely different situations. And we right. both know that the mindset of, of each one of those people is dramatically different. The interesting thing is this, the same strategy, the same, the same tactics I think could be, and sh probably should be employed, but I get it. I completely get it. I think we all, we all understand desperate times and all that. Mm -hmm. And you're just, you just really are, you just want a yes. You know, you're just a salesperson and man, you just, you're, you're desperate to have the other person say, yes, they'll give you the job. Even if it's, even if it's not a good fit, I'm not, I'm not here to give career advice, you know, on that. You, you got to make a living. You got to do what you got to do. I'm not going to judge any of that. I get that this conversation is ideally, I think, centered toward people that are in a career, would like to transition to a different career. So I'm going to start. Let's kind of give, give some advice if we can. A, don't quit the day job. Because if you've got the day job, even as, as bad as it may be, it gives you the, the ability mentally I think it gives you greater capacity to just be honest. And I get that that feels that can feel wrong to a lot of people to just be frank and upfront and to be forthcoming and say, I want you to shoot holes in this, by the way, Lisa. Yeah, sure. For, for let's say that I'm this person that you're talking to. Well, they clearly know my experience. And not to be self-deprecating, but to be very candid, I don't know it, but I didn't know the field I was in either. Right. And I studied it and I learned and I, I, I got to these places because, uh, you know, I, I love it. I, I love learning new stuff. And so I'm, I'm up for the challenge and to lean into those things that you do believe with some evidence from outside sources, external sources that these are your strengths. 
to just lean into those that way it's a fit or it's not a fit. And if it's not a fit, you dodged a bullet and so did they. And meanwhile, you got your job. I get that. It's a whole different, there's a whole different dynamic going on if you're unemployed mm-hmm. and you're, you really want them to say yes. So I'm, I'm not going to necessarily address that, but let's talk a little bit about that from the candidate side and how we should even approach these things, especially in our mind and get our head wrapped around the fact that we don't minimize these skills and these experiences and these insights that we've developed and find some way to at least connect the, the dots that do need to be connected in that those are valuable. They were valuable here and here, and they will be valuable over there just because you can't see exactly how doesn't mean they're not. Yeah, I, it, it is critical in order to, you you have to be confident in what you've learned. Everything, depending on your perspective and how you choose to see it, has value in your life, even the challenges you've gone through. You know, the, the whole concept of there's a silver lining, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to see in yourself what is valued and what is good and what you learned from situations and how you grew from them. Um, you also have to be realistic that there's still more to learn. Um, and for me, I, the only way I can speak to it because I've, I mean, I've done some of that myself, but mainly I talk to so many people about this, right. That they are wanting to change or they're wanting to do something different. And it's really focusing on what you want and not getting so focused that you get, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You get so discouraged in your current role. You are so focusing on what you want to get that it's irritating you where you're at. And that can be damaging. And, and we've all been there. Trust me. How, you know, I remember when I was trying to get the land, Randy, and you, and I called you one day and said, I'm devastated. This is the second deal that's fallen through. And you're like, I'm great at this. Call me, (laughs) you know, and you walked you without saying it, you walked me through the positives where I'd been, what we had achieved, that there's something better coming and to just not lose sight of where you're at in the moment that I was had a goal and reach. It's just a matter of finding the right thing. And that wasn't the right thing, but you reset my perspective. But we've talked before about the importance of gratitude. And I think that cuts to the chase with what you're talking about. As far as be thankful for the job in hand, be thankful for the career in hand. It may not be the end all be all, and it may not be going perfectly for you, but, but you do have a job. It's where it's where you're at. And you you failing where you're at is not going to help you succeed somewhere else that's right that is exactly right so so from that perspective i would just stay focused on the goal um be sure you practice making it relative um it, it you really it really helps to have insight from another person when i was talking to this lady that's looking at doing something different i said okay i'm going to be the city manager and saturday we're going to have an interview and I'm going to ask you questions and then we'll talk about the response and maybe have things to think about. And we did that. We practiced. I mean, we were on the phone about an hour and a half and we, I'd ask her a question. She'd respond and had pretty good answers. But I said, but this is what HR is about. You have to make it relative to what they are looking for from an HR leader, not just your former role. And, you know, we talked about, uh, I translated it to the hub, you know, that, a chair, a chair has four legs. Each of those legs has a purpose. And without one, the chair doesn't hold up. You got to have all four that you're thinking about all the time or one or the chair is going to fall out beneath you. And so we kind of tried to put it in perspective that that kept it in the top of her mind. Um, so it's things like that. You just, it's all about perspective and connecting the dots and being able to genuinely, I kept one things I would focus on guys. It's not, you've heard it show after show, you've got to lean into who you are, make it relevant, but don't try to tell somebody else's story because that's what they told you about. 
You've got to make it your story that you are communicating to somebody else because it's got to be believable and genuine. Most people, unless they're just focused on focused on the skills and it's the older style of hiring, they're going to be able to see through if it's not your story because they'll keep asking more questions to get clarity. And if you start jumbling and going all over the place, they're going to know that you were rehearsed and not genuine. And that's that's a deal breaker for a lot of managers that are hiring. Well, and for any supervisor leadership role, even if you get the job, you'll be outed very quickly Right. at a lower level. Maybe you could kind of blend into the crowd, but you get into any management position, you, you will be found out. I yeah. learned a long time ago. And of course I, I, I grew up in the retail business and internal theft and shoplifting are just a thing. Mm -hmm. It just is shrinkage. It happens. But I learned from older heads, you just, you want to do everything in your power to keep honest people honest, mm -hmm. which resonated with me. You know, the professional, the person that's determined to steal from you, they're going to steal from you. You're not right. going to stop them. You might catch them, but you're not going to stop them. And by the time you catch them, they will have already stung you. Yeah. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to put people who are honest in a position in a moment to make a bad decision. And I would use that analogy, you know, with us and making career changes and whatnot. I mean, we want to give ourselves the best option and we want to prevent ourselves from being stupid. We want to prevent ourselves from being foolish and both the person on the hiring side of the table and you on the other side of the table, we both want the same thing. I remember a time when I had a person that was very technically capable. All of that was a work, but absolutely dreadful at building and growing people. Dreadful at delegation. Hands had to be on everything, but you couldn't really criticize, you know, necessarily the work product, but the other things. So we parted company. Well, now I'm guess what I'm looking for. So the people that come parading through, it's kind of a technical job. And so what do you think they're thinking? They're thinking all these certifications and this and that and the other. Mm -hmm. I don't care about any of those. No, you want somebody who can delegate. Yeah, I've had, I've had that. <laughs> yeah, I've had that. And I was rather amazed at, at showing my hands. And of course, you know, me. I mean, the audience knows me by now, you know, I'm not a guy. I, I don't, I'm not trying to play poker with this. This is too big of a thing. It involves too many lives, especially the person on the other side of the table, you know, to be playing these games. I get that some people do. I just don't, you know, so I would be very forthright and say, I, I would try to steer the conversation. And it, I was, I remember being amazed at how they, it was clear to me that they weren't being contrary they were just leaning into what they know and what had taken them to wherever they were right. in their, in their current position, but it didn't have anything to do with what I was looking for. You know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for these other things. I needed a certain degree of technical prowess so they wouldn't be duped. Right. So they could, they could hold people accountable and they could keep us on the right technical track, but I didn't need you know, I didn't need somebody, you know, I didn't need a code monkey. I didn't need, there were a lot of things I just didn't need at that stage, at that stage of the career. If you're on the other side of the table and you're interviewing, how do you find that out? If the person is not as forthcoming as a guy like me, any advice? Well, you need to ask good questions yourself as a candidate. Um, Examples I gave to this individual that I was helping mentor for this potential position is I said, be sure to arm yourself with questions first. We mentioned it earlier. Dig on the website and see what's valuable to them. See what they post. Um, see what they're doing in the community. See if they talk about culture and mission and if things are lining up to that. And then ask those questions. Almost every manager, I don't know about you, Randy, I always leave it at the end. I said, what questions do you have? I usually start it as we've learned a lot about you. 
what questions do you have for us? Yeah, but how many people sit there and go, no, not really? Yeah, well, they're getting better because I think it's so common now. But you're, but if they come with nothing like, well, what's this? What's this position going to do? I'm like, okay, so clearly they didn't go back and read what they were interviewing for, so mm-hmm. that's an irritant, you know. Um, I love the ones that come and say, well, I so I was on your raving fans website. And I saw you have a ton of community events and just did, you know, the strolling with the mayor. How involved is, are, are you as a team in those city events? I mean, I love hearing questions like that because they're trying to connect typically what are their values and do they align with ours? Yeah. And often as we dig in, they're like, well, I'm, I just really want what I'm seeking is. Right. a culture that is inclusive of family. I, I love to get my family involved with the place I work. That's what I want to hear. Right. As a leader. Now, not every not every city is like that. You have to yeah. know what what you love in your city and what you're hiring for. Um and it's usually handed to us because of life. Either the city's been through a culture shift or they've had a pain point like you said Randy, when you didn't have delegation and you didn't have the other skills in that manager that you needed or the person you're hiring for all of the sudden yeah it's easy to almost go overboard that that's all i want just give me that oh yeah because it right. was so horrific before that's right but um if you do it well and right you get a blend and you start asking questions that look for those things and identify them a little bit better um you know nowadays it's hard to get references Mm-hmm. Normally in the past, I would say just call in the references and ask how they do, but we often don't get anything anymore. Uh, I don't know about you guys in <clears throat> HR. We really don't even hardly check anymore because even when we send out surveys that are anonymous, we don't get them back. Right. They send us to HR just like we do and mm-hmm. tax That's title right. and license. Here's their employment dates. So we can't say anything. You just right. don't get what you used to. Right. Um, so you have to up the ante and get your questions asked and be intuitive to find out things beyond a skill set. Listen, I'm so old. When I started oh, no. in retail, is this a joke? every no, <laughs> this is for real. Polygraphs. Oh wow, really? Oh, every 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 employee in in, in any retailing capacity passed a, had to pass a polygraph. Yeah. And true story, my very first polygraph, I failed. And the thing that I failed was my name. And I'm like, no, my name really is Randy. Randy, <laughs> I, I promise. I've got a driver's license. I've got everything. Yeah, I mean, they they laughed. I I yeah. got hired, but it was kind of funny. But yeah, so we've we've come a long way. Well, I I'm I'm going to keep leaning into the the honesty thing, which right. I freely admit Being is genuine. hard. I freely admit that that's hard if you're if you're currently out of work. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm not telling you be deceptive or lie, but everybody puts on their salesman shoes and I, and I get it. I understand it. And being unemployed is a bad, bad thing for sure. Right. But if you've got a job and you keep your job, even if it's not a great job, man, lean, lean into being grateful and lean into being honest in the pursuit of what you most want because you could be jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. Right. I mean, you, you could be going, there's, you want to make an improvement. You want this to be, come on. The name of the podcast is, is grow great. So don't be lazy to your point, you know, do the homework, research, research, research. Cause there's a whole lot that you can find out. I'll give you a case in point. So here's this podcast, grow great. It's a city government leadership podcast. That's our tagline. And we are now, I don't know, we're, we're weeks and weeks and weeks into this reiteration of this podcast, which has always, by the way, been about leadership. And I get regularly emails from PR firms and other people who are trying to hawk people to be interviewed for podcast. One out of 12, maybe. I've got anything to do with leadership, right? So I get, you get these blind solicitations and they're big, long, you know, well-crafted PR campaigns 
for this person and they've written this book and man, they're great and they're wonderful. And boy, they would bring a whole lot to your show and whatnot problem. They're not congruent with the subject of our show, right? It would be a disservice to you guys who are watching and listening to us. If we even had them, they might be terrific people and they might be very interesting, but they got nothing to do with city government leadership. So why would we do it? And in the same token, I think we can be guilty of doing the same thing. You know, we we can go in there and and be lazy. We didn't do our homework. I mean, all somebody has to do is click. They just have to go to our website and look at our header. They don't have to dig deep to find out what this podcast is about. But do they do it? No. No. They're just taking the lazy man's way out. So Mm -hmm. that'd be my parting shot. Don't, Don't be lazy. Give it the effort that it deserves because it's your life. That's right. It's your life. And if they say no, it could be a blessing. Might not be, but it could be. And you can choose how you want to think about it. I'd much rather dodge a bullet than take on another one. If the bullet I'm already taking is my current job. Um, and I know that the no's can pile up. I've seen it before. You have to, they can pile up and they can cause people to really to really lose confidence and to minimize themselves, but, but man, we all know people. Well, we ourselves are people who failed at something. It's why my favorite quote still is everything is hard until it's easy. So back when it was hard, if the world was looking at you, then we'll look at you now. And so grind it out. Yeah, my and and my la- my final thoughts are remember no matter which side you're on the goal for us in city government is to build well I hope it is to build high performing teams. So as a manager you need to look for high performing people. They don't always have to be perfectly aligned in the industry. You need to look for the qualities that create high performance and do they own those and do they do they genuinely have those and can tell you about them? And from the the end of the applicant, the candidate, or you listening that wants to do something different or wants a change, you have to convince them you want to be part of that team. And you've got to outshine everybody else you're competing against. So if you don't do the work and you don't do the research and you don't talk to people around you that might give you insight and wisdom, you're doing your own self a disservice to be, you've got to rise to the top and that, that takes work and effort to get there and to be able to sell that. And then lastly, make sure you know what you're looking for and that it aligns. It's got, it's so easy just to accept what you can and to get what you can, but have a goal because ultimately if you can lock into that, Think of the long-term impact for you and that team. You will be there. They will have a great member that aligns with them, aligns with culture. And ultimately, I believe everybody would be uh, more joyful in that role. In that role. Agreed. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.